Hello and welcome all into the MO podcast. I'm Consumatious Ant and I'm here as always with my co-host. And today we are going to be talking about the mad butcher of Kingsbury Run. One of America's most notorious serial killers, notorious for the fact that he's never actually been caught. But there are a few theories and a few people have been accused of this. He, he got through a lot of people. He did. Lucky number 13. <laughs> so, we'll just go through what actually happened. The year is 1934, and over a period of four years, 12 bodies were found in Cleveland, Ohio. 12 official victims, although there could have been a further 15 uh, in, Newca- in a place called Newcastle in Pennsylvania. But I personally, I don't know what your feelings are about this, I personally don't think they're actually connected to this. No, neither do I. There was the Black Hand Gang who were operating in that area and where these bodies were found was in Marshland and it's a notoriously known area for bodies to get dumped in because who's going in a marsh? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's out of the way. So I I don't really think, like, we're not going to talk about them today. But it's kind of, it is only 100 miles apart, these places. And there was 20, 28 murders over in and around the same kind of time, using the same kind of MO. So it is quite coincidental, but I, I personally, I think that's all it is. Yeah, I do. I honestly can't believe that because it was only they would only have the trains to travel on to get to this place at this point in time between the distances between the two places and a hundred miles even if you're going by trains it's what steam trains in this era and it's still going to take up a large portion of your time and even if you killed them somewhere else why are you going to drop the bodies there it doesn't really make sense and you'd have to know the area. It doesn't fit, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so of the 12 official victims, only two have been officially identified, although there is a reason to believe that a third one, we do know who it was, just because of going on what her daughter actually said about it. So all these victims, they were found in the Kingsbury Run area of Cleveland. Now, this was, it was actually called a Hooverville. It it sounds really nice, but it's a shantytown. Sounds clean. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it's basically a shantytown, a favela, a ghetto, however you want to describe it, which sprung up because of the Great Depression. So in this area, there was called a place called the Roaring Third, which was a right rough area. A hobo jungle. Yeah, just kind of like standard Manchester, really. (laughs) Uh, But this house, brothels, gambling dens, bars, flop houses, where all the good stuff is, basically. (laughs) Uh, So after 12 victims, all of them were decapitated and dismembered, which of all the cases, this was the cause of death. Personally, being decapitated would, like, finish you off, in my opinion. I'll do it. (laughs) Uh, So, so yeah, and most of the male victims were uh, castrated as well, which is uh, 
whatever floats your boat, I suppose. Uh, well, you say most, but not all, though. This is what confused me. Why not all? Why only some? I, 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 I really, I, I really don't know. I mean, for this, I did, I, I went like deep web in my research for this. I was on page four of Google search. Like that, <laughs> that's how deep I went. Wow. I know, I know. I, oh, I got lost. Uh, I, I had to take a machete to cut through all that, all that fierce jungle that was back there. But uh, I just thought it was a myth. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think it existed. But now you click on it, number two, and and a whole whole load of other results come up. It's like wow, wow. I know. But yeah, so think of the weird porn you could come across if you just looked further. Oh no, I need to make a note of that because I've not thought of that. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> God. You're welcome. Incognito deep Google searches are going to be <laughs> crazy, man. Uh, anyway, so in the research, in, like in that research that I found, I can, I just don't know why. Even if when we talk about it later, I don't know why you need the skill to be able to castrate someone. But the, the cuts and all these incisions seem to be expert in nature. They wasn't slapdash. One of the victims' head was taken off in a clean, concise blow. Uh, the coroner that was looking at these bodies actually said that the person that was doing this was confident in what they were doing. It wasn't someone that had just picked up a uh, a knife and went, oh, well, we'll try this one. Taking a head off in a clean sweat, they got me fucking Zorro, right? Schwing! Exactly. I mean, even in the Middle Ages, when they were beheading people, didn't Anne Boleyn take a few whacks needed to... Yeah, lots uh, of people... Well, the Anne Boleyn was decapitated by a uh, French... The, the best French swordsman, but there was quite a few um, nobility that were de- that were beheaded, and it took four or five chops, because the axe is actually made for uh, cutting trees, so it automatically swings in on a sort of angle in an arch, so they would quite often just hack into shoulder blades and stuff and take a few hacks to take the head off so it is and that's a guy who did it you know for a living so if he can't get it right first time just some bloke off the street who's raggy at people and wants to cut their heads off he's got to be pretty strong or knows what he's doing yeah i mean how much would that piss you off you're already been sentenced to be beheading <laughs> and the guy can't even get it right he's like oh, that's my shoulder <laughs> dickhead come on <laughs> please i, I oh. feel like you're probably too busy going that stings. Well, well, yeah, I suppose that would take <laughs> your mind off it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the first victim was found in September of 1934, but this is actually victim zero in the canon of these because she wasn't actually put into this case until a couple of years later. It was her the lower half of her torso with the leg amputated below the knees that washed up on Lake Erie. The skin of this woman was found to be, it was red and it was leathery due to some kind of chemical substance. And then a year later, two bodies were discovered at the wonderfully named Jackass Hill. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. uh, I'm not even going to try and work out what the entomology of that is just because... (laughs) So both of these bodies were decapitated and emasculated which means they were... And one had the exact same chemical preserve as before, so the body was... The skin was red and it was leathery. And drained of blood. Yes, drained of blood. One was identified as Edward 
Andrassi. He did have an arrest record, so that's how they could actually track the body. And he may have had homosexual leanings. Uh, the only reason I mention that is because it may come up a little bit later on. Oh. Do whatever you want to do. I don't be so. See where you know. you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. So that's the only reason why I mention it. Uh, in January of 1936, four months later, about half of Florence Palillo's body was discovered. Which I love. I love the about there. That that about is doing a lot of work in that sentence. <laughs> That's how much of a shit they gave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason, yeah, the reason as well is because it was wrapped neatly in newspaper and packed into two half bushel baskets. And as an aside on that, my mother has a half bushel basket and she was very impressed that I knew that word until I told her. (laughs) And uh, I've not been invited back for dinner. Uh, She's like, what have you been talking about with your friends, Anthony? But literally, I was looking at it going, why do I know that? Why do I know? And you know when you just say something, when it comes into your head and you just say something and then you go, oh, I'm in company. (laughs) Oh. Then you look round. Half of Florence Pillillo's body was found in one of them. Oh, hello, Reverend. Uh... Uh, so so yeah so 10 days later uh most of the rest of her was found apart from her head in a vacant lot nearby but the interesting thing maybe it's interesting i don't know but it was they the killer waited until rigor mortis is set in which usually sets in two to six hours after before dissecting the body all of the other cases they did it there and then or it was a reason that they died but this was done after the fact that she had died and in june of 36 two young boys discovered a male head wrapped in a pair of trousers uh just wrapping them in stuff and dropping them everywhere i don't especially if you're wrapping them in clothes in like a hobo jungle you may as well have just left it on the side, to be honest with you, because someone's going to find it. They're going to go, that's a nice pair of trousers. I mean, apart from all the blood, obviously. But, oh, it's a bit heavy. What's this? Oh, well, that's looking up from the crotch. What's that? <laughs> Still having them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a bit of, like, Febreze will sort that out. Uh, <laughs> so, the day after this discovery, the body of a young man, which was clean, drained of blood and headless was dumped outside the railroad police building. So, literally, there's railroad police going about the business and no one noticed anything until the next day. Shit, please. Even though he's unidentified, he had several tattoos and they did make a death mask of him and put it on display at the Great Lakes Expo just to see if anyone would recognise him. And 100,000 people walked past his death mask and didn't recognise him. So whether that's just... it, the, the people that visited the Expo weren't the people that ran in the same circles, and to be honest with you, I can kind of get that because the people that are living in a hobo jungle have no work, no food, no nothing. So I think they've got better things to worry about than going, oh, the Expo's just open. Should we, should we go there on Saturday? It'd be a nice day out kind of thing. 
but yeah, there was there was a few death masks. I think four death masks made of these people, which are actually still on display in the Cleveland Police Museum. I still kind of think it's hard to like if I, if somebody showed me a death mask of like you know one of my relatives I was really close to, I probably still wouldn't recognise them from a death mask. See, this is the thing as well, uh, and I was watching something about like efits. And some of them you just look at and go, "What? what's that? I'd, I'd remember if I'd seen that. But what they were saying was sometimes it's the reason why they're so ghastly, let us say, is because it could be an identifying feature and it could actually jolt someone's mind. But I agree 100%. If someone made a paper mache of anyone that I knew, I'd be like, I've never seen them before in my life. They could be stood next to me at the time, and I go, no. Exactly. When somebody's got their eyes closed and they're not pulling an expression on their face, they kind of just look like everybody else. It's the facial expressions and and the and the eyes yeah. that make people who they yeah. are. Yeah, and the mannerisms and the and and the little like yeah, the little eeks and bits. And plus, fact, does a does a does a like a a death mask pick up on like wrinkles or scars or you know. Them little, little, tiny little bits on your face. Right? Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Like my my sister, if she was a death mask, she would legit have to have her eyes open, her like cat eye glasses on, and be pulling the emoji S face for me to go. Oh no! Yeah, no, no, that's Ali. Yeah, can I identify? <laughs> Other than that, I, I wouldn't recognise her at all. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, yeah, it's nice to be loved. Isn't it? Awesome. <laughs> it just, it just. Uh, surprise me that 100,000 people nobody recognised him when it's a guy with his eyes closed not pulling any expressions it's not the easiest thing in the world to recognise yeah we're, we're, I agree 100% I think they're less than useless yeah. oh, well, well yeah, we have the summer and man that maybe maybe we could uh, argue the fact that uh, Jessica knew she was looking at but well yeah but then his face was all over the papers as well and I still don't think the death mask looked anything like the pictures in the paper like the photos of the actual no, corpse no, of didn't course. look anything like his own death mask. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he he actually looked that picture of his corpse looked anything like him. Yeah, because he's he's dead, isn't he? There's no life to him. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in July, so less than a month later, a male body was found in the woods on the west side of the city, and this is the first kind of body that's found out outside of Kingsbury Run. Uh, it was headless, and there was a pile of clothes and a large amount of blood nearby with uh, this body. And then September, a few months later, the upper half of a man's torso was found. Uh, the victim's lower half and his legs were found in a nearby... I'm going to use the quote marks and say pool. Uh, it was nothing more than an open sewer from what I've read and what people said about it. And this is where the coroner noted that the cuts were clean, confident, and the killer must have known uh, anatomy. So this is the point where the police like go, hmm, we may need to do something here. So uh, uh, after what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight bodies have shown up <laughs> headless within pretty much two years they go ooh <laughs> let's get the top people involved nailed it so during this time this is where Cleveland safety director a certain Elliot Ness who whoop, whoop. yeah if you if you've never seen the untouchables then please get a life just just go and watch it it's it's awesome 
Uh, not a big Kevin Costner fan, but it is it is great. Elliot Ness, just in case you don't know, he he made his name in Chicago fighting anti-corruption, and he's kind of the man who brought down. I almost said Al Pacino then. <laughs> That'll be an achievement in itself. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, because yeah. Not really an overlap in in, uh, in their lifetime. Though. Al Pacino's uh, like, Elliot Ness ruined my goddamn career. <laughs> God damn it. God. Uh, Al Capone is the guy you brought down. Yes. And the detectives, there was two detectives who took the lead on this. One was called Peter Melio and Martin Zel- Zelweski. Uh, so they basically tried to start infiltrating the Roaring Third and the miscreants that went there. And to do this, they started dressing up as hobos. And the pictures, I can't do the pictures justice. I'll be quite honest with you. Literally, the guy has a bindle. It's just... He does like like a cartoon character. Exactly. (laughs) Like, that was what they thought that vagrants actually looked like. Like they'd seen the cartoons, they were like, "That must be real life." I don't ever think I've, I've, I've I personally, I've never seen a tramp with a bindle. Neither <laughs> I. And what use? What <laughs> use are they? What are you keeping in as on? If you don't know what bindle is, it's that stick with the bag on the back kind of thing, like a kerchief, like a red kerchief, like what Bugs Bunny would have. Exactly, getting evicted. <laughs> it's the size of a handkerchief. <laughs> so what are you carrying in it? Kill a one bread roll and that's it. Ah, and if you carry, if you've got a bindle, surely you're going from place to place because you've got your belongings in it. So you're gonna find more belongings on the way. That is the role of a hobo. And why put it on a stick? Why would you put it on a stick and just carry it? It's just ah. But literally, this is what these two guys. This is what these two guys thought was a 1930s hobo and obviously over the course of time it is whether it was this picture that made them out to be this or whether it was Groucho Marx I don't know but but I mean just these (laughs) these two detectives alone they actually interviewed over 1500 people for this case so they they, I mean let's not well no we have to slag them off but they were doing work rather than just walking around with a stick with a handkerchief on the end of it just google it it's hilarious it is hilarious. So then it goes quiet for a bit. And then six months later, in February 1937, a woman's half torso, the upper half of a torso, is washed up again on Lake Erie's shores. So this is when they started to think, hang on a minute. Remember that woman from two years ago that washed up on the shore? She was only half a torso. Do you think these are related? Hmm. <laughs> And then literally three months later, the lower half washed up. So they were like, right, okay. Yeah, definitely related. Makes sense. In June, a human skull and skeletal remains were found in a burlap sack under a bridge. So this is the woman that was ID'd as Rose Rose Wallace due to dental records. And they used her child's dental records that were very, very similar. So it's not officially, but unofficially, they, uh, they claimed this was Rose Wallace. A month later, several pieces of a man's body was recovered from the Cuyahoga River. Now, this one was a little bit different because the abdomen had been gutted and the heart had been ripped out. So, 
whether this is kind of the same or and the killer's just getting a little bit it's a bit extreme it's a bit more extreme yeah physical or whether it was just someone thought you know what i can just kill someone and it'll just be part of his legacy and then so nearly a year later then uh, a second lot of body parts are found since so april 1938 a second lot of body parts are recovered from the rig- river it's a woman's body and this is the only one that they were found to have anything in the system and she had drugs in her system as well uh, none of the others were found with any kind of drugs or or any kind of disabling things in their system yeah then in august august the 16th the torso of a woman was found by three scrap collectors which i mean you know it's a bad enough job living in a hobo jungle not a job but bad enough life living in a hobo jungle and you're just going out looking for scrap to sell it and then you come across half of a woman then her arms and legs were found in a box Police discovered a second body nearby, and it was said to be, like, metres nearby. So, how scared, uh, not scared, but how affected these three scrap collectors were when they just went, oh, I'm not moving from this very spot. Uh, I'm just going to stay here, and uh, hopefully some the, some of the police will come, because they didn't even move a couple of other metres, because they could have gone, there's another one there. <laughs> and there was three of them as well, so what were they all doing? Stood in a line. Uh, Looking up at the sky. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, 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 I've seen too much today. Uh, It's supposed to be a day off. I'm covering for John. These are the ones that were plunked outside uh, Elliot Ness's office window, weren't it? These were the ones that were in view of Elliot Ness's office. So this this one and the police one, it's, it's kind of... He's he's a little bit cocky, this guy. He's uh, mocking Ness, Yeah, he's... See, I don't know if he's cocky or if he just... He didn't know... Maybe not know where he was, but... I, I don't know. I just think maybe if he was affected enough by other stimulants, he just he just didn't know. I, I just, I think that's a coincidence, to be honest with you. But dear, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. with what we'll talk about in a bit, it, it's. I, I don't know. I can't really. I think it was well deliberate. Actually, I've just seen the timeline. No, no, no. That's probably <laughs> deliberate. It's just plunk both these bodies right outside Elliot Ness's goddamn office window. Have you caught me yet? Can you see me? Uh, looking at that, because that's August 38, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. No, no, that was done on purpose. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think the railroad police one may have been done by accident. Yeah. And it just was a coincidence. Uh, yeah. But that one, yeah, definitely. Uh and obviously, I think we're both on the same page as to why that was. Uh, yeah. And then literally two days later, so August the 18th, Elliot Ness and 35 police officers raid, in quote marks, the Kingsbury run and burn down, burn it down, basically. Uh, 300 people were evicted. All the former residents had their fingerprints taken. 
for the purposes of, oh, well, if you get murdered, then we'll know it's you. Which, I mean, you're talking to, you've just got rid of all these people's houses and belongings and everything by burning everything down. And then you're going, by the way, you're going to get murdered, so we need to know it's you. Cheers yeah, for that. Yeah, he was like, we'll burn all your houses down. Oh, but now we're going to arrest you for being homeless. So now you all have to come in and have your fingerprints taken because you're all under arrest. And everyone's like, what? I got But you just. I <laughs> got a minute. What happened there? Uh, yeah, and though. He said he was protecting them. Yeah. But... Indeed. I can see how it may have worked, but obviously. Uh... It, it, it's a bit morbid for them all. Like, yeah. Well, you're, you, you're arresting me and bringing me in so you can get my fingerprints in case I'm killed and you can identify my corpse by my fingerprints. Exactly. Imagine wow. you'd be like, wow, serve and protect. Thanks. And we all lived happily ever after. Yeah. Hashtag defund Elliot Ness. Uh, <laughs> in the press and in the press and in the politics, he was severely criticised for this move as he, he rightly should be. But... The murders did stop. They did. So, little bit of swings and roundabouts. Uh, maybe not, but... <laughs> kind of opens up, like, maybe was the murderer part of the hobo jungle, or is it just because there was nobody left to kill because they'd all been arrested and moved on? Like, that could work both ways. Indeed, indeed. Uh, he could have been arrested at that point because he was homeless and then maybe he had the fear of God put in him with the police being in the police station. Uh, maybe that because there was no easy prey to get a hold of because all these people had been moved on from the area. Yeah. Maybe that's why they stopped. Or maybe it stopped for other reasons. Yeah. Uh, so we'll discuss the suspects uh, now. So do you want to start on that? Uh, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll start with uh, Frank Dolezal. Yep. Um, it's just, it's just the weirdest suspect for me because it's just, I, it was he's a fifty-two-year-old brickie. Like for a start, I, I just, I don't, I don't put brickie and serial killer together. They just don't mesh for me. I know that serial killers can be anybody, but it, it just doesn't work for me. Um, and even though he confessed to. Victim murdering victim four, um, and he said he knew some of the victims. Uh, he clearly wasn't the killer because when he confessed, he had six broken ribs. Uh, he clearly confessed under duress and then conveniently committed suicide in jail. <laughs> and the way he committed suicide was quite impressive, to say the least, because he was um, five foot eight and he successfully managed to hang himself on a piece of rope in his jail cell from the ceiling that was only five foot six in length. Yeah. So that's quite impressive, really. <laughs> yeah. This 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 is a big no for me. Uh yeah. I, I don't I don't mean to get all Simon Cowell on you, but <laughs> this is just bizarre how they even man this is grasping at straws. In, Isn't it? In his his confession uh, he actually confessed three times. Uh, they got three confessions out of him, so that's probably why he had six broke ribs, two every time. <laughs> yes. But they were, like, just ramblings of nothingness and then just, like, precise facts and details that only the killer would know. And it's like, like 
pretty much oh well yeah i went i went to the pub but then i i weren't allowed in and then uh i came back and i sawed off ahead and jesus is lord uh he's just like right okay uh this is all over the place uh y'all follow the script frank come on just just it's just there stop writing on your own just sign what we've wrote stop writing on it uh And he also claimed that he, he threw Flo's body parts in Lake Erie, but they were found behind an empty house. Uh, so he didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. It yeah, he came, when he came to take a lie detector test, that's when he said, no, I didn't do it. He recanted all his confessions and claimed the statements were made under duress. And literally, that is the icing on the cake. He was five foot eight, and... The hook that he had the rope attached to was five foot seven. So he'd be like, I'm probably breathing the best I've ever breathed in my life because I'm taller <laughs> yeah. than the actual goddamn. It's quite a feat to be able yeah. to do that. And in, in the guards that were watching him claimed he was only left alone for three minutes, but the coroner said, well, it'd take him 12 minutes to die. Like that, so someone's selling porcupines. Yeah, yeah he was clearly yeah. quite clear. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing him. about this is that he was arrested by Sheriff Martin O'Donnell. Now, Martin O'Donnell's wife was Senator Martin Sweeney's daughter, uh, or Congressman Martin L. Sweeney's daughter. So that plays a part because... Dr. Francis Sweeney, who is thought by quite a lot of people, and James Bedell, who's researched this for 18 years, is pretty much adamant that this is the guy that did it. So, Dr. Francis Sweeney was a World War One Army medic. Medic, excuse me. He was uh, uh, graduated in medical school in St. Louis. He actually was born and lived in Kingsby Run. He was just born on the edge of it, so he knew Kingsby Run very well. He was a surgical resident at St. Alex Hospital, which is in Kingsbury Run. He was known as an expert on uh, being an expert at surgicalness. Uh, he was an expert surgical resident, and he actually became the protégé of the, the teaching physician who was at the hospital at the time, Dr. Carl Hamann. Uh, and he was he was married in 1927. He was separated in 1934 and divorced in 1936. The reason for the divorce was because he was constantly drunk and he started to become violent. According to his wife, he was continuously drunk. Not just drunk every now and then. He was continuously drunk from 1929 up Shh. until 1934. That's hardcore. I know. It's like not even not even like having a sneaky drink in the morning, just being pissed Constantly. all the time. I thought I was bad. Jeez. It's hope yet. I know, yeah. I mean I, this is this exactly this is why I think, oh, you know what, I won't have that day off drinking because there's people like this in the world who are worse than me. <laughs> uh makes you feel better about yourself, yeah, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. Uh <laughs> and then in nineteen thirty four which kind of coincided when the Lady of the Lake, uh, Victim Zero, was found. He lost his job at the hospital. 
and he started working in a local practice. In 1939, he was committed full-time to a veterans' hospital, uh, which I think... I don't think they're using it as a euphemism, but it was pretty much a mental asylum, uh, the reason as to why he was committed. He'd been in and out since 1936, having short stays uh, for his alcoholism, for... He did have a uh, an injury in World War One, which he was pensioned off for, and his father had history of psychosis, and he was his father was in an institution up until for the last few years of his life. Was he schizophrenic as well? Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. That, that that's what was found out, and he was suffering psychosis by the time he actually checked in properly in 1939. Uh, in May 1938, <clears throat> so this is why we go back to the the timeline before, because yes, the Elliot Ness thing was proper, because that was in August of 1938, the last two bodies. And in May of 1938, Elliot Ness took him in for questioning. Uh, and because he was... The laws, laws weren't the laws. It was kind of like a little bit of the Wild West back then with what you could do and what you could get away with. Uh, And Elliot Ness was a stickler for the rules. So basically anything that he got out of him, he couldn't really use because it was circumstantial and it could be argued that it wasn't gained in the proper way. For a start, he was kept secretly at a hotel for two weeks. <laughs> Not in a police station, in some hotel. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, apparently it took him three days to sober up and get set for him to start even making any sense during this wow. questioning, which is, I mean, I've had a hangover, but Ooh. in fairness, that is, what, four years of constant being constantly drunk, so yeah, I suppose three days is a drop in the ocean, really. God, can you imagine the hangover? Jesus, you just want to die. I mean, to be honest with you, I think that's why I keep drinking, because I know my anger's going to kill me. <laughs> keep going. Yeah, I'm scared of hangovers. <laughs> <laughs> Power through it. Get out of the bottle of wine. Yeah. Give me that straw. We'll get through this. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the Alka-Seltzers. Uh-huh. So, yeah, he failed a lie detector test. Twice. Yeah, the guy, the inventor, was actually brought in to uh to administer this and he actually is quoted as saying i may as well throw my machine in the bin if he didn't do it (laughs) but because it was all circumstantial it couldn't be used and as well his cousin was the congressman martin l sweeney there was a little bit of political pressure applied here and martin l sweeney he was kind of he was a democrat but by 1936, he'd lost the backing of the Democratic Party, even though he was still another co- congressman and he won two more terms. The party, he wasn't the party's candidate. He started doing a little bit of Trumpism with Elliot Ness because he's quoted as actually saying, because when Elliot Ness came in as a safety director, he wasn't really supposed to be attached to the police. But it actually did change the police force in Cleveland. It was said that when the new people that came in, like new police officers that came in, they either played ball, uh, which kind of meant take bribes, and then they get the good routes, or 
if they wanted to like be a policeman, a proper policeman, and follow the law and everything, they were pushed out. They were given no cases. They were shunned. They were social piranhas. No one liked them, kind of thing. Uh, and when Elliot Ness came in, he he kind of put his foot down on that. He ran most of the gambling out of town. He had the police going in like four times a day to gambling establishments, whereas in the past they'd only come in once a week. He made it really hard for people outside of the law or gamblers and and shakedown artists, kind of like that. He made it really hard for them to work in Cleveland. And what Martin Sweeney is quoted as saying is during this time is that Ness would prefer to go out after honest upstanding police officers than try and find the mad butcher so went against him and as well his daughter was married to the sheriff that arrested Frank Dozell so it, it it's kind of like I think he kind of went you know what just arrest someone just make it look as tenuous link as you can just so I can go, ha-ha, Elliot Ness isn't all that. He may have done it in Chicago, but he can't do it here kind of thing. And I th- I think that was a major, major thing in this case. But yeah, I think that of all the people, I mean, I think Francis Sweeney, Dr. Francis Sweeney is the one that uh, is a little bit suspect in this. There is another... Uh, suspect as well uh willie johnson did you find anything on him i did not come across anything about willie johnson so willie johnson was uh a four a 36 year old uh big strong now i'm only saying this for context because of why i think he's he's considered a suspect but a big strong so big and strong yeah but uh, yeah but not like that but (laughs) <laughs> he was a big, strong black man. Uh, and I think that's the reason why he's kind of got fitted in with this. Don't get me wrong. He he, he was a wrong one. He was a right one. But I think it just, they were, they were looking for suspects. And so basically mm. in June, 8th of June, 1942. So this is, this is quite a while after, a couple of years afterwards. Uh, he dumped a trunk in Kingsbury Run. And upon examination by three young boys, uh, it was it contained a female torso. A uh, head and arms Ooh. were found in bushes nearby, and she was identified as Margaret Francis. She was a nineteen-year-old sex worker. Uh, Johnson got a cab there, and the cab driver kind of ID'd him. Uh, obviously, told him where he was picked up from. So the police closed him in quite fast. Uh, and when they got to his house, they found the young lady's legs there as well. Uh, but that's hard to explain. Indeed, away. <laughs> indeed. But he did try, and and God bless him. He 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 said, "Well, we were having an argument, and I, I knocked her out." And then, you know, after you've knocked someone out, you, you fancy taking a nap. Uh, and then when I woke up from this nap, there were just pieces of her everywhere. She'd walked off without her legs. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. That's what he said. He said he fell asleep, woke up, and she'd been dismembered. Don't know how it happened. Obviously, no one believed that. And he kind of... She was so angry, she exploded. <laughs> yeah. 
her arms just dropped off. I was gobsmacked, and then she <laughs> nodded, and her head fell off. And ah, oh. uh, he 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 did confess, but then he recanted, and then he kind of said, uh, that he went back to the story of no, he just woke up. Uh, then while he was on death row, he actually said a name. Uh, I didn't come across which name it was, but it was someone who was known and released in the Mad Butcher case, uh, asked him to dispose of the body. Uh, but it didn't work. He was mm. executed in 1944. Uh, uh, and I just think it was just, I think he'd kill the prostitute. Uh, he, he killed the sex worker. And he he just dumped it there because... It's got half burnt out buildings there. It's crap all in it now because Elliot Ness has been there. So he just thought he'd, he'd just leave it there and get away with yep. it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he he was known to the police because he'd also been arrested for highway robbery as well. So wow, he was a highwayman. I know. I didn't. I thought that finished in the sixteen hundreds, but apparently <laughs> uh, cool. it was still going strong in the forties. The roaring. They didn't call it the roaring forties for nothing, did they? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that's the weakest one in considering Frank Dazelle hung himself by shrinking an inch. I, I, that says something about his case. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Francis Sweeney as well. He he, he actually sent postcards to Elliot Ness while he was, I'm not going to say incarcerated, but while he was uh, committed. And they were just like ramblings of a madman, as they would be. And why else? He had no, up until May 1938, I don't really think he had any social interactions with him. There was nothing to connect these two together uh, from what I've read. Yeah, I just think with the dumping of the two bodies uh, in August of 1938 outside his window. Very suspicious. And... The taunting of the postcards up until, I think Elliot Ness died in 1956 or 57, up until Elliot Ness's death. He'd send like one a year or a couple a year to him of just being like crazy ramblings, but... See, I quite fancy Francis Sweeney for this as well, right? I mean, apart from the fact that his wife said that he used to disappear for days. I found um, a story about this guy who was called Emil Fernick, and he was just like a vagrant, a homeless guy. And when he was being interviewed, um, he actually said that a doctor had tried to drug him and take him away to his clinic or house or whatever. Um, and the house, the, the place where the doctor tried to take him was on the corner near Broadbury Street. Now, of course, the police went there and they looked for a clinic and there wasn't one. So they just were like, oh, this crazy old hobo and totally dismissed the story. Turns out Francis Sweeney actually had a practice on the corner of Broadway Street and it was opposite a funeral home and he was friends with the coroner there. Perfect place to uh, hold the bodies. Yeah, yeah, that'd seem, that'd make a lot of sense. I don't understand why they used the, why some of the bodies were found with the, the preserving fluid on them. I don't understand that. Why preserve one? If you, you're just going to kill them and cut them up and dump their parts, why bother preserving it? Yeah, it makes little sense. But 
there's a couple of the bodies, like the one that was, like, I want to say physically attacked, but the one that was had the heart ripped out and, and was disemboweled, uh, that's a little bit suspect. And the one where they were they were dismembered after rigor mortis was set, set in. Why would you do that? Surely that's making life harder for yourself. Yeah. Now, the only thing you can you could actually think of is that, especially if you're looking at it, that it's Sweeney that's done it. Let's say he was taking people off the street, drugging them, and then doing that, dissecting them, operating on them, whatever. Maybe he's got interrupted. You know, he's he's halfway through killing them, or he's already killed them, and he's got interrupted. Uh, and he's had to go, ooh, I'll just put it in the cupboard for a bit, and then get back to it. Yeah. See, you do you remember um, in the Jack the Ripper murders when he was killing um, Elizabeth Stride and he got interrupted and he was so furious uh, that he got interrupted, he went out and totally obliterated Kate Eddowes. Yeah. Um, I felt like I, I saw um, he killed two people on the same date, both on, the, both on Jackass Hill that we talked about earlier. Mm. I feel a bit like that was... The same kind of deal. Okay. Like he got angry because it's all of the others. I wrote down like a, I tried to find a pattern and I wrote down all the dates and the dates are so spaced out mm. that there's, there's two right at the start on the same day and there's two right at the end on the same day. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I felt like either it was a, a fury thing because it's quite quite a big deal and it's quite a big amount of effort to kill two people on the same day oh yeah especially with the lens he's going to yeah uh, i mean so, he's not just stabbed yeah. them like running around the streets and stabbing people and running off he's taking his time to like he's cutting dicks off man i mean i know but only off some and actually edward andrasi had rope burns on his wrist yes like he'd been tied up yes and actually i did actually read and the reason why I said he may have he may have been homosexual is because apparently uh, Sweeney was a bisexual, uh, right? So maybe they had a tryst of some sort, and that's the reason as to his demise, rather than he's just. Or maybe a sex game went wrong. Yeah, rather than he's just a random, especially with the the evidence of he was actually like tied up at one point. He was also drained of blood, though, and I don't understand why some of them are drained of blood and some aren't. I mean, I think is that he's the only one that was drained of blood, Andresi. No, there was a uh, tattoo man was drained of blood. Like, what is the point of? I don't. I I just I can't. It's like they don't fit a coherent pattern. Hmm. You know, like the the woman that was found under the bridge, uh, Rose Wallace. Yeah. There was only her skull and bones found. Yeah, so that 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 for me is either it it's been there a long time, or he's flayed off the skin and. Well, it's not the same guy. Yeah, I think I think I don't think you can say all oh, these are the same person just for reasons of th- the mo is too different. On, on some of them. It is. I mean, the, the the ones that have been thrown in the water as well, 
you know, they were found washed up on the shores of Lake Erie or, or they were in the, the Cuyahoga River. Uh, I think there. Yeah. I don't know because the, what's, what's the, the, the deal with Florence Palillo's body being wrapped neatly in newspaper and, and the head in a pair of trousers? Whereas some are just thrown in the river or the lake. Yeah, or in bushes, that's what I mean. They don't all... They've made a link here that I don't feel like it's the same person because there's too many inconsistencies. Mm, yeah, I just think... It... I mean, when they say a heart's ripped out, do they mean literally, like, ripped out or was it cut out surgically? They're just being flamboyant with the words. This is from the press because if it was cut out, that would say surgical knowledge if it was ripped out it's just some wacko ripping people's hearts and guts out yeah yeah then you know one of them's drugged the rest aren't this guy this vagrant he was attempted to be drugged so maybe maybe francis sweeney was he was maybe he wasn't completely innocent of all this but maybe this is not the same person for all of these there's too many yeah of course differences of course and as well it's not like this wasn't highly publicized Obviously, yeah, uh, I, copycats. I think as well, and going back to the the Newcastle murders, uh, a lot of them were dismembered, and I think if you just hear about, okay, right, I'm gonna have to describe this this quite well because I may, right, I'm pleading the fifth on this, right? <laughs> if you've got the mind. Of a murderer, or if you think, right, I need, um, I need, I want, I have to kill that person. If you've read in the paper, oh, there's been a spate of headless bodies found over here, you go, hmm, if I cut his head off, they'll just think it's all about that. Yeah. It's tied into that, and then why would anyone suspect me, kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. that's the only thing. I think there's at least two different killers going on here and maybe even more and they've the only thing they've got linked is that they've seen that uh, if i cut their head off it'll be fine i mean it is the best way if you're going to murder somebody is the best way to make it really hard for the police at that time to identify who they are as well it's just by cutting the head off yeah without show that that's why only three exactly tentatively have been identified uh and as well especially if it's vagrants why are you going to know about them unless they're exactly. in the system i mean today you've yeah. got to cut their hands off smash their teeth out <laughs> so i've heard <laughs> burn uh, their fingerprints off yeah yeah it's a lot harder now but not back then cut their head off and who's gonna know yeah we actually um me and my friend spent up spent a, a long time me and my friend nick we spent a long time actually talking about this and coming up with theories and stuff and he actually brought up something interesting about the black dahlia and how similar um, that murder was to the ones that are drained of blood, they're kind of dismembered, they're just quite openly dumped in public. They're not hidden, like, per se. Some of them are just kind of dumped. Yeah. Um, and the Black Dahlia murderer clearly had surgical knowledge as well. And albeit the Black Dahlia murders didn't take place until a couple of decades down the line, if that person was the same person that committed even one of these murders, um, they still would have been a, a young enough age to continue in a different area of the state. Without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. I think as well, it's like the... I think at this at this time, 
because if you uh, look at the the Velasage killings and the Heifenek, the German place killings, I think if if people kill, were killed in the same kind of way, it's kind of the same person. Do you know what I mean? I think that was the, the thought mm-hmm. process. I don't think there was any... Whereas now, you kind of look at it and go, well, three were dumped... Well, four were dumped in water. Yeah. One was, like, three were wrapped in stuff yeah. and were neatly wrapped at that in that point. One was just bones. No, like, they're, for me, they're different types of MO. Definitely. They've piece, they've linked people together here who have been killed and hurt in completely different ways. Yeah. And I think, as well, the overriding factor of all these, the, the thing that these have got in common is... They couldn't recognise them. They only knew yeah. they were from that area. So they just thought, it's got to be one person. Yeah. I mean, some of the, in the in the Newcastle case in Pennsylvania, there was there was a, a guy found at the train tracks with a headless in a, in a boxcar that had been there for three months uh, kind of thing. And one of the detectives, I think it was the, the Bindle guy, was uh, adamant that it was the same kind of killer, but it's a hundred miles away. As opposed to the guys like driven into a telegraph pole or something and took his own head off in a car. <laughs> That's it. It's it's like saying all the all the car accidents are for the same reason. Yeah. It's they're not. It's just because. I felt like maybe it was easier to just say, this is all the same person, case solved, now we're just looking for one person, as opposed to them going, oh, fuck, now I've got to look for, like, 13 different people. How much is this going to cost us? Say it's the same person. Exactly. Uh, I I think as well, I mean, this was... We talked about Ed Gein was only... Was it Ed Gein? Yeah, he was only tried for one murder because of financial constraints. Yeah. Even though he admitted to two. And this was around the same time as that. Uh, and you've got someone coming in in Elliot Ness who's trying to clean the police force up. He's coming from out of town telling the police force how to run their own kind of business. Yeah. I, I really don't think that... There, obviously, there's no kind of forensic evidence at this point but still I just think it's the convenience of having them all in the same area rather than yeah yeah definitely I don't think it's the same person at all though no but of all the people uh, Francis Dr Francis Sweeney is sticks out like a sore thumb of being yeah he, he wasn't innocent I mean he might he might not have been a murderer but he was certainly a dick <laughs> So he could have been a murderer. Not saying that all dicks are murderers, but... And the thing is, as well, is if he had access to the funeral home and the coroner, these people haven't been identified. They're, like, they're headless, they've got no identifying marks. What's yeah. to say you didn't swap a body out? Uh, exactly. And put, put some bark in the uh, coffin, because uh, <laughs> we all know that way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know that weighs the same amount. <laughs> and then in in kind of like in in the last two cases where they were in view of Elliot Ness's uh, office window, why not swap a couple of bodies out and go? I didn't kill anyone, but there you go. 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one. It is because you, the way everything is portrayed about this is that it's all one person. It's the worst serial killer in uh, America, mm-hmm. or one of the worst. But then you start reading into it, and it's like I think the stretch is where when you come across it, and it's like, oh well, it they they could have killed some people hundred miles away in Pennsylvania as well. Then you start going, right, okay, I think you're clutching at straws at this one, but we'll dive into it. And then, <laughs> just because yeah. they had the reds cut off and their what's-its cut off, I don't really think that it's it's the same. It could have been a jilted lover, you know? I mean, that's 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 what they go for, apparently. Uh, could have been. That's what I always get threatened with. Cut your dick off. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear Dave's theory? Oh yeah, go on. Yes, yes, yes. This is okay. this is it. This is case solved. <laughs> so I told Dave like all the facts and stuff, and I was like, so hypothetically, if you were a serial killer, say you're in the mind of this guy or girl, and what what what's your mo? And he went, well, that's Frankenstein, isn't it? I was like, what do you mean? He went, well, he was trying to make a girlfriend, wasn't he? Like, you know, he couldn't get a girlfriend, so he was just, like, killing people and then just finding the best parts of them and sewing them together in a weird science kind of way. And I was like, if you're trying to make a perfect girlfriend, presumably you wouldn't want parts of a man in your girlfriend. And he was like, he thought about it for a bit. <laughs> I love the way I love the way he thought about it for a bit. I'll come back to you. Uh... And then he went, what about if he was... <laughs> And then he went, what about if he was trying to make the perfect couple? Like if he had some weird fetish? And I was like, right. It's an interesting theory. It's 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 new. It's 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 new in the ballpark. I've never I've never thought about that. And he went, I don't know why you've never thought about that. It's clearly the most obvious one. I was like, of all the people I've spoke to, nobody has yet come forward with this theory. That you have just come forward with. So clearly it's not the most obvious one, but yet Dave reckons that this serial killer was was one person and he was trying to make like the perfect couple by taking pieces of other people and sewing them together. I don't know what he got out of it. I don't know maybe the guy was successful. I don't I I needed to actually go through the victims and see if there was any parts left over that weren't found that could like accumulate a couple, a man and a woman. But I never got round to it because it was a ridiculous theory. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, he just cracked the case. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, of the parts that haven't been found, how many heads and how many dicks has this couple got between them? Because uh, <laughs> all of them were were decapitated, and a lot of the males were castrated. So it's like what. Maybe he was making a belt. Oh, good girl. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> a dick belt. I mean, yeah, maybe he had an Etsy shop like Ed. Ed put him up to it. He's like, yeah, right, I'll tell you what. <laughs> maybe he did. <laughs> they were in the same psychiatric hospital. <laughs> well, look at this tie I've made. <laughs> maybe there's a Facebook page that just has... There's your research. <laughs> 
some 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 weird stuff yeah. going on. There. I mean, that probably that truly is, but yeah. Uh, how how solved it? Yeah. Okay. Frankenstein. Well, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll pass that on to uh... Elliot Ness. <laughs> yeah, I mean the guy the the the, the, the guy who spent eighteen years working. On it. I bet he never thought of that. I bet he didn't. <laughs> I bet he's kicking himself once he hears this. He'd be like, "Oh, so simple." Now he said it. It's so obvious. God. <laughs> he's going to ring Dave and ask him to solve all the other unsolved cases as well. Exactly. Come out here. We need you. <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave will be on uh, unsolved mysteries. He will. It's easy. It's easy. Oh, it's so obvious. Why have you not already thought of this? You brought me out for this. God in heaven. <laughs> not even provided me with Nuki Brown. Uh, it's a sweeping statement, and I'm really sorry, uh, Dave. I don't even know. I don't know anyone that likes that. So. Uh, <laughs> no, neither do I. Never in a million. I mean, I'd drink it if there was no else in. I think I think that's how they get away with it. I don't think Newcastle has anything else stocked uh, in the whole they town. <laughs> you will drink this. So what's your beer selection? Well, we've got brown ale or nothing. I'll have a brown ale. Brown ale or get out. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's like a hot fuzz with the Simon Pegg film where he goes into the bar and he's like, what's your wine selection? And the barman goes, uh, red or white? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) if you are from Newcastle, hello. Uh, (laughs) Oh, we haven't offended you with stereotypes. Uh, Yeah. Sorry, Dave from Sunderland. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, that's the uh, the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury One or the Cleveland Torso Killer. It's not been solved, and to say there's just one killer is is just not looking at the what the actual stuff is there. I'm sure if if a forensic... I mean, if you, if you had the forensics today to look at it, I'm pretty sure you could see that there was two or three killers here rather than one. And especially the Roaring Third, there was... There was I mean, it's not the nicest place in the world. It's full... It's a place where you go where you want to get into trouble kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think these were the only murders that went on there. Easily. But as a way to cover your tracks, cut cut someone's head off and just leave it done. And there there are actually a couple that just had their head cut off and nothing else. Hmm. Girlfriend head? Didn't either. Shit arms, shit legs, shit bum. But I'll take the head. Put it on this good set of boobs. Did and uh, put it put it on my mantelpiece and scream out for a bit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we all know what heads are good for. I shouldn't have said that, really. But <laughs> <laughs> that what what uh, that that was I was channeling Ed Kemper there, right? Do you know what it is, right? Nick said to me the other night. Hi, I've listened to your other podcasts. How do you have sex with a head? And I didn't realise it was a rhetorical question. And I was like, well, you just open its mouth, I guess, or just like stick it down its like esophagus or something. It's like easy reach. And he was like, that question didn't actually warrant an answer. I was being rhetoric. I was like, oh. I mean, th- thought it was obvious. Glad you've thought of it, though. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just wouldn't know how to... <laughs> suction. How does that work? Stick the neck on the extension of uh, Dyson. Turn it on. I'm just thinking out the box here. <laughs> oh my god, what I need to get a Dyson. <laughs> wow. 
Yep. Henry's aren't going to cut it, just so if you know. If any serial killers listen to this now, they'd be like, so obvious. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm thinking about it. No, I won't. Uh, on that bombshell, that was the Cleveland Torso Killer. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope to see you all next week. This has been the MO Podcast with me, Consumation Sam, and my lovely host, Petraea. And we shall see you all hopefully next week. Bye. Bye.